Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Parties are back. It's holiday gathering time. And if you're like most folks, you know, sometimes all those great efforts that we make all year long to modify our diet, watch our cholesterol, watch our sugar, sometimes around the holidays, that's a little bit harder than ever. Well, today I am excited to have registered dietitian and professor professor of nutrition at University of Hawaii, Dr. Jin Ann Bana, on the line today, and we're going to talk about what are some strategies that everybody can consider when they're either preparing for a social gathering or they're there, or maybe they've gone, and what are some ways that they can help improve their nutrition and keep themselves as healthy as possible. So, thank you for joining me today, Dr. Bana. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I got to tell you, it's holiday time. Everybody's so excited because for the last couple of years, we haven't been able to gather. COVID has put a lot of damper on some of the social parties and events. And we're more, I don't know about you, I'm more excited this year than I have been in the past about some of the holiday festivities and gatherings. It feels like it's safer this year. Maybe that's just in my head, but I really wanted to go out there and enjoy some of the gatherings that previously maybe I might not have been so inclined to do. And sometimes those gatherings include lots of buffets or food or everybody bring a plate uh, and and bring something that you can enjoy and share with other people. And I'm wondering, now you're a professor of nutrition and a registered dietitian. What do you tell folks around the holiday time? First, in bringing food to prepare that they've prepare, prepared for an event, what sort of what sort of things should they think about that can help everybody at the party be a little healthier? Well, the first thing I would tell them is really just to focus on enjoying the event. I think that's something that really needs to be said because we always talk about the nutrient content of the food and how we can control our weight, but we need to remember that this is really a time to connect and be with friends and family and really enjoy the holidays. That's the first thing to say. And in terms of bringing food to gatherings, I generally try to think about foods that I myself enjoy and that are also relatively healthy because I know that oftentimes when I go to a gathering, I'm faced with a lot of chips, perhaps donuts and cookies and that sort of thing. So I might focus on bringing something that contains some vegetables. That's oftentimes something that can be lacking at gatherings. And I might also take something that has some protein in it. So perhaps I take something like tempeh or maybe something that has nuts or some kind of plant-based protein. So I try to think about a couple of things that might not be as present at the gathering that also provide some nutrients that I need. I would say those are some key points to consider. Well, and that's a great idea. If you want to have healthier foods at an event, be the one to bring it. And you know what sort of stuff that you like. And so therefore, you know, you could bring that and then be the first person to partake in it. You know, one of the things that I think sometimes will happen is we may not get as many of the vegetables like you mentioned, or maybe there's ways to make things that we might not find as appetizing as some of the other treats even more exciting. So I always think of some things that we can do to, like, dress up a salad. If you were to describe your perfect salad, I kind of love the salads with all the interesting ingredients. What are some of the healthy things that you could add to a salad to make it as enjoyable and tasteful as possible, but also still be a little bit of something that would make somebody choose that and hopefully 
fill up a little bit on the salad as opposed to some of the other wonderful pastries and treats you've mentioned? Well, you really have a wonderful opportunity with the salad to make it really nutrient-dense. So we mean packed with nutrients when we say nutrient-dense. So thinking of all those wonderful vitamins and minerals, thinking of protein, thinking of fiber. And we can think about getting a lot of different fruits and vegetables in uh, to that salad. So eating the rainbow as a way to really give us a lot of those nutrients that we need. So I would focus on really a, a variety when it comes to the fruits and vegetables in the salad. And then if you want to make your salad a complete meal, I would focus on adding a source of protein. So edamame is a great example. I recently had a delicious salad that included edamame, and it was really a complete meal for me, as well as some whole grains. So you could think about adding some quinoa, for example. And a salad can really be an excellent choice if you're looking for something that has really all the nutrients that you desire out of a complete meal. So adding all of those ingredients to the salad, kind of getting your protein, getting, like you said, nutrient-dense. When you go to somebody's house or to an event, you know, there's a tendency, I don't know, It's it, maybe it's just my tendency, is that I take a look and I go, ooh, look at all the different foods, and you kind of want to sample a couple of different things and then maybe focus on having more of one particular dish. When you go to a party that might have might have everybody bringing a dish or there's a large buffet in front of you, what are some tips on how to fill up on the healthy stuff instead of going right towards like the little cheesecakes and the little brownies and all those things that seem to attract my eye immediately? Well, you really want to keep the MyPlate graphic in mind. So if you go to MyPlate.gov, you'll find a really useful graphic. It's a graphic of a plate, and you'll see that half the plate is fruits and vegetables, and there's also a serving of protein and a serving of grain on the plate. So I keep that in my mind at all times when I'm out. I guess I have a, a dietitian's way of viewing the world. And so I keep that in my mind. And even when I'm at a buffet, I think about making my plate in, with that makeup. So that way I'm full when I finish my meal. I feel satisfied. I've had enough of what I need to keep me satisfied so that I'm not reaching for a lot of those sweets. So if you fill your plate with a lot of you know foods that are a lot of simple carbohydrates or just a lot of rice and bread and that sort of thing, you might get through your meal and then feel like you still want something more. But if you can use the MyPlate graphic to make that complete plate, then you'll get the nutrients you need and you'll also feel satisfied at the end of your meal. So let me kind of get this uh, sort of graphically in my head. So you've got a round circle and about 50% of it is your fruits and vegetables. And the other, is it about 25% that's protein, 25% grains? Yeah, so the idea is to have a serving of protein and a serving of grains. We can think about a serving of protein being a piece of meat that's about the size of a deck of cards. Or, of course, we also have the plant-based protein options. And so I've mentioned edamame, I've mentioned tempeh. And so we want to think about some of these as well as great ways to get protein in the diet. And we don't always need to consume meat, of course. And then a serving of grains we can think of as being about half a cup of rice, for example, or some other type of grain. I've also mentioned quinoa as an alternative. That's how we generally want to visualize our plate. 
All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Bana about some ways that we can kind of focus our efforts if we do want to try some of these wonderful holiday treats to make sure that we choose the right ones, but also make sure we balance it in our diet a little bit. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I'm having a discussion with registered dietitian and professor of nutrition at the University of Hawaii, Dr. Jin Bana, and we're talking about how we can focus our efforts to stay healthy and ways we can enjoy our holiday celebrations, but not necessarily have a problem with feeling the guilt afterwards. So let's say, Dr. Bana, that, that we've We've gone to the event, we've chosen the salad, maybe we even ate a salad before we got there, knowing that it's not a potluck and maybe there might not be choices that we want or that are the healthiest for us. So we've gotten some salad and we kind of want to try some of the other dishes that are there. Is there any way that you use to take a look at different dishes to know, okay, this particular way that it's cooked might be healthier than a different way? I mean, I know things slathered in sauces always seem really delicious, but that might not be the best way to to get that particular type of food. What are some things that you look at? If you were to just think of a buffet table that you've been at, when you look at some of the different choices, how do you narrow down on the healthier ones? One of the main things that I focus on is the fiber content. So I've mentioned some of the plant-based options in the various food groups on myplate.gov. And we can think about those plant sources of protein that I've mentioned. So I've mentioned edamame, and that is not only a source of protein, but it's also a source of fiber. And we know that most Americans are not getting enough fiber, and that it's really, really important in terms of maintaining a healthy weight, for example. So I would look at that fiber content not only when it comes to my fruits and vegetables, which are a great source of fiber, but also in the other two groups, both in the protein and the grain group. That's why there is this focus on whole grains, because we are thinking of that fiber content that is so important for us. That's one of the things I would focus on. And you mentioned sauces and different ways of preparing foods. So I might also think about that in terms of use of a lot of added fat to see if there are some options that have a bit less in terms of added fat and that might use, for example, olive oil rather than butter so that I can have some healthy fat making up part of my meal. And then in addition to that, I would also consider the degree of processing of the foods. So we want generally to focus on foods in their whole state, so as close as possible to their natural form. So I might choose to generally avoid dishes or to limit my consumption of dishes that have a lot of Um, added sugar, for example, or a lot of processing involved, so thinking of something like bacon. So those are three important considerations. Well, let's talk a little bit about each of those for a moment. Where else can you get fiber? Sometimes people will have, you know, different fiber supplements, or there might be like a granola bar that's high-packed in fiber. Where are some of the healthy sources to get fiber, even if you're not at a party 
when when I when you say get more fiber in your diet, where, where are you getting it from? I would think of that healthy plate that I've mentioned. All the food groups contain items that are rich in fiber, and I've given a few examples of those. And then in addition to that, there are some others to consider that I haven't mentioned, such as nuts. Those are a great source of fiber, but also protein and healthy fat. So I'm a big advocate for nut consumption. And then, of course, you have many other types of beans that I haven't yet mentioned. So I try to incorporate those as much as possible in my diet. And with regards to fiber supplements and bars that may contain fiber, I would generally say that as much as possible, we want to get fiber from those foods in their whole form or as close as possible to their whole form. Because, for example, with these bars, we might have, in addition to the fiber, a lot of added sugar or a lot of saturated fat. So the more we can eat the fruits and vegetables, the whole grains, and those plant sources of protein, the better Yeah, and you mentioned having foods that's less processed, so some of those bars might have a lot of sugar, or like you mentioned, other ingredients, and in fact, it's not in the least processed kind of form. Now, you mentioned being careful with how something might have some added fat, and olive oil might be a better choice for how it's cooked rather than butter. How would you know that? Is there something that you would be able to distinguish if something was cooked in an olive oil versus a a vegetable oil or even butter? Or do you kind of have to ask whoever brought it? I definitely do ask a lot of questions, for sure. I am kind of a food sleuth when I go to restaurants. So I would you know, recommend that you simply ask if you're not sure. There are some dishes that you know, we might assume would contain butter as they're typically prepared. So sometimes we can make some assumptions and have some guesses, but I certainly ask a lot of questions. Oh, I like that term. You're a food sleuth. You're going <laughs> to figure out bit. what it is before you eat it. That's that's a really good a really good comment. I, I like that. That's going to be your new, you're a professor of nutrition and a food sleuth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned processing and and. Some people may think bacon is not processed, but, you know, it actually may be more processed than people anticipate. So what are some other sort of hidden ways that foods we think are unprocessed might not be so much? So we generally, when we think of processed foods, want to think of those foods that are ultra-processed as the main items that we want to limit. So the ultra-processed foods are those that have a great deal of added sugar, added salt, perhaps other additives, and also may have undergone processes that would strip them of their nutrients. So they wouldn't have some of those helpful vitamins and minerals as much in that ultra-processed form. So we want to generally consider cakes, cookies, chips, things of this nature, processed meats that would generally be considered ultra-processed foods as things that we want to be conscious of and limit. Now, when you talk about ultra-processing and nutrients, it kind of got me thinking back a moment, and we were talking a little bit about vegetables, and sometimes people have the idea that if it's a cooked vegetable, it may have less nutrients than a raw vegetable, but that's not always the case for all vegetables. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we can think about tomatoes as one example of that. The lycopene content of the tomato, this is a carotenoid in the tomato that's very beneficial for health, Um, that content is actually increased when we cook tomatoes. So that's an example of a case in which cooking may be beneficial for health. But of course, we do need to consider some of the nutrient losses that may occur when we uh, heat vegetables. So there may be some losses of other nutrients 
So it's a trade-off, and there's no black and white answer in terms of whether it's better to consume raw or cooked vegetables. And it's really all about having that variety and changing it up, not getting into a, a rut when it comes to eating, because it's definitely not black and white when it comes to your food choices. And you mentioned that, like, fiber supplements, they're good, but they may not necessarily provide the same bounty of different nutrients that you might get when you get fiber out of a natural source. So I'm wondering, would that also be the case when we talk about people who want to get, like, there's a, an ad one of my patients told me about, and, and then I saw it on TV, and I'm like, oh, this is why she's asking about it. It was like, get all of your daily vegetables in this little vegetable tablet, and then you don't have to eat them. And I thought, you know, it just didn't strike me as the best of all plans. But for some folks, you know, there's a lot of very unique advertising that makes me feel like, am I deficient in certain vegetables? Should I be taking a veggie tab too? So when we talk about some of these sorts of things, what is your immediate gut reaction when you hear about get your daily vegetables in a tablet? I mean, it's sort of even beyond like a multivitamin. It's just take this and then your, your nutritional requirements are satisfied. Is there any truth in that? I fully agree that I would not advocate for such a thing generally. Generally, as a dietitian, I would advocate for getting most nutrients through food. And that's because we find all sorts of helpful compounds in food. We can think not only about what we've talked about with regards to fiber and vitamins and minerals, but with regards to all sorts of antioxidant compounds that are implicated in disease prevention. So the more we can eat food, generally, the better our health is going to be as opposed to you know, trying to get our nutrients through supplements. Using food as medicine, I would concur. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with food sleuth, Dr. Janan Pana, and we are going to discuss some more about what to do if you've succumbed to the overindulgence of some of the sweets and how can you balance your diet for the next few days to try and mitigate those effects. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with an excellent registered dietitian and professor of nutrition at UH, Dr. Jinan Banna, who has been helping us today to figure out next time you go to a party, how can you pick the good choices that are going to help you feel good after you eat them and feel healthy and not necessarily give you that next day food hangover. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that. I'm not much of a drinker, Dr. Banna, but I certainly do love myself some desserts. And, you know, I've noticed that after you enjoy a little too much of that, it doesn't really make you feel good. I mean, when you've had a fresh salad with vegetables, you kind of feel good after that. But not always if you've overindulged in the cookies and cakes. Is there something that happens in the body that causes that? I would say there's just discomfort associated with eating too much generally. So when we're over full, we might have that uncomfortable sensation that comes with overindulging. So generally, when it comes to a variety of foods, we want to eat to the point where we are about 80% full to avoid such uncomfortable sensations. And how long would you think that it takes to digest the usual meal? 
I mean, you know, if you have a big party to go to on a Saturday night, often I'll tell people, well, maybe eat a little bit lighter Saturday during the day so that, you know, you don't go to the party necessarily and wind up adding even more to what you've eaten during the day. But maybe that's not the best of all advice. If you go to a party hungry, then what are you going to do? Yeah, so you want to, I would generally advise people to follow their hunger signals. So it is generally not helpful to starve yourself if you are hungry. So I would generally advise eating if you feel hungry and just continuing to pay attention to those signals, um, whether it's before the party or during the party, and take time to eat, to give your body time to register that you've had enough. And of course, depending on what you've eating, what you've eaten, it will take a different amount of time for you to digest the food. So of course, we have some foods that are high in simple carbohydrates, thinking of, for example, white bread that are digested very quickly. And then foods that have some protein and fiber that we've talked about would take longer to be digested. So you will feel full for a longer period. So if you're trying to give yourself a little bit of a feeling of fullness prior to going to a big gathering, you might want to focus on getting in some of that fiber, for example, to keep you feeling satisfied prior to that time. Now, what happens if you mess up? I mean, I've done this. You go to the party, you go to the desserts first, you enjoy them. Now you've really, you know, you've blown it because I don't know how many calories you've had, but probably too many. And so, you know, you want to make up for it in the next few days. Is there anything you can do once you've already gone down that path to help your body with just kind of balancing in the next couple of days? Should you go full on vegetables and salad or once you've overindulged in some of the sweets, how do you how do you work back on that? I would say, first of all, you really don't want to worry too much about it because, of course, we know that it's your dietary pattern. So what you habitually do that will predict your health outcomes and your weight, et cetera. So that one time or one or two times overindulging really is not going to make much of a difference when it comes to your health. So I would say, first of all, don't worry too much. And then in the days to come, you can just continue to think about the my plate graphic. I always have that in my head. It's such a great tool. So be sure to get in all of those foods you need. And if you haven't had a lot of vegetables at your gatherings, you can make sure to incorporate those. And then really continue to follow your hunger signals. So even though you've eaten a huge amount the day before, you may very well feel hungry in the morning the next day. So I would say go right ahead and eat. Just be conscious of what you're eating. Take your time and enjoy your food. Really? You overindulge and the next day you're still hungry? Well, you've digested your food, so it may very well be that you feel hungry when you wake up the next day. I guess so. Is there such truth to the fact that if you eat a larger quantity for for a long period of time that, you know, your stomach kind of expands to accept or anticipate that quantity and you might be relatively hungry because you're not filling up as much as you usually do, but probably have already eaten enough. Potentially, there could be some effect when it comes to that. Um, but generally, I would advise if you're eating that balanced diet and following your hunger signals, you should be in pretty good shape in terms of giving your body exactly what it needs. Now, you've mentioned the MyPlate graphic on myplate.gov. And I'm wondering, for people who say, you know what, 
New Year's resolution, I'm going to get healthy. Where should they start? Should they take a look at that graphic? Should they focus their meals on that? I mean, I almost want to get like a plate that says, put vegetables here and, you know, just carry that plate around so that that's what I fill up. But what would be some suggestions for folks who, after the holiday season, say, that's it, I'm working on nutrition, that's happening this year. Where should they start? I would say that you really want to make small changes. So that is really key because what I often hear from people with New Year's resolutions are that they're going to get up at 6 a.m. and go for a run when they typically don't wake up at 6 a.m. and they don't run. So that's a real problem and you know not quite realistic to have this kind of plan. So you want to think about what you typically do and then you want to make a little change. So if you usually have lunch without any vegetables, think about adding some vegetables, just a small amount of vegetable to your meal as the first step. And then as you're able to incorporate that, because it can take some work to get the vegetables on your plate, if you're not used to eating vegetables, you have to think about where to buy the vegetables, how you're going to prepare them, how you're going to transport them, etc., etc. So once you've mastered that, then add a little bit more to your day. So maybe you add some vegetables at dinner as well. So you take those baby steps and continue to enjoy your food at every step of the way because you don't want to be miserable. <laughs> if you don't like waking up at 6, to go back to the exercise example, don't wake up at 6. <laughs> Find something that works for you and make those little changes. I like that. Be realistic. Don't try and change the world 180 degrees because it's January 1st, but find a little step and then build on that throughout the year to add some more healthier choices into into your diet. Now, If people wanted some help, like a particular dietary challenge, you know, I often have folks who might have gout or they might have kidney disease or they might have, you know, diabetes or cholesterol issues, and they kind of want to know how they could come up with a personalized meal plan. What sorts of ways could they do that? Should they meet with a registered dietitian? Should they focus on going to a website that'll give them sort of that personalized nutrition recommendation? How do they go about that? I would definitely advocate for meeting with a dietitian because, of of course, dietitians are the experts when it comes to nutrition, and they provide what is called medical nutrition therapy. So they are able to address the dietary needs of people with a variety of health conditions. So definitely that would be the go-to. So a way to really personalize and focus it based on their medical concerns. Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about some basic stuff, and I'll be honest, I can't think of any medical condition that would say no vegetables. You know, in general, that's probably not a recommendation that someone's going to hear. But there might be certain vegetables that would do better for certain patients. For example, I think about some of the poor folks who suffer from gout. That has certain, believe it or not, certain vegetables that could bring that out or bring bring that gout to flare. So ways they can tailor it to help themselves. Okay. So small changes and little directional shifts to a healthier way to focus on food. You know, it seems like food really is the best medicine, do you think? Definitely, yes. We know that what we eat is associated with our health outcomes and with the prevention of chronic disease. So I would definitely say that. And where do you stand on multivitamins? You know, we sort of talked about vegetables in a tablet, but if someone's eating a relatively healthy diet, they're following the MyPlate, they probably won't need to take a multivitamin. But is it something that if they're not really getting in all their vegetables, they should consider? 
Yes, definitely. We want to look at the content of the diet. And if people are not getting enough of particular nutrients, there may be situations, for example, in which people are vegetarian and really aren't getting enough of the particular foods they need for their iron. That could be one example that they might consider supplementing with that particular nutrient. Um, not to say that you, of course, you can get plenty of iron with a vegetarian diet, but if the person is not balanced diet, then we might see that kind of problem. So we would want to look at the diet and ask about that person's particular eating habits, etc., and then think about whether we need to supplement with some of those nutrients. Well, I have to tell you, you've given me a plan. I'm supposed to go to a party this weekend. I am going to focus on the vegetables first, and I'm going to get that graphic and sort of print it out and put it everywhere I can find. All right, I want to thank you, Dr. Jin Anbana, who is a registered dietitian, professor of nutrition at the University of Hawaii, and my new favorite food sleuth. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week. Mm-hmm.